Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 3106. Now, as ever on Tuesday, it's time for Tell Me Why, and Graham Finley joins us to tell us why. We change the way we speak when talking to different people. Um, Graham, how are you today? Very good. How are you, Tom? I'm very well. So, this is called um, Code Switch. Is that what it's called when we do this? Yeah, code switching, and that's that's the technical term. And it's really funny thing, code switching, because there's the linguistic version, which is where you mix up two different languages um, in various ways um, in the same sentence. Um, and this happens in bilingual communities, which are a really interesting thing to study. But the one the question was asking about is the sociolinguistic question, which is happens within say, the same language community, but we switch dialects, we change everything about our speech, um, accents, intonation, the words we choose, our manners, everything, to, um, to conform to usually the people, usually to conform to the people we're talking to, but sometimes, and this is even more interesting, uh, to diverge from the way the people we're talking to speak. So you've got convergence, um, which is which is this well-known phenomenon of linguistic accommodation, where people accommodate themselves to however the group is speaking or whoever they're talking to is speaking. But sometimes, in an interesting context, you diverge from the way people are speaking, and these are often much more hostile contexts than the than the than the convergence context. So so it's a it's a fundamental part of human interaction, and you everyone listening has probably had a, some version of code switching today. Right. Just right. think about the various things, the various people you've talked to. Did you talk to them all exactly the same? Probably not. Right. And is it a common thing? Do we all do it? We all do it. Now, some people do it better than others, um, and but we all do it. I mean, I, I'm actually quite fascinated by this uh, and because it starts incredibly early. Um, you know, once your accent is sort of fixed by a bit, I mean, it can change over time. And you see people who move to the United States and lose their Irish accents for all sorts of good reasons. Uh, but, you know, the actual base accent you have is acquired often quite early on. And that's because the way we learn language is, is often talking to our parents. Uh, and and so, so all of us have learned accents and learned to discriminate words somewhat differently. So we all speak differently. And that's why, you know, there's so many different people to talk to. One of the things I like about Dublin, for example, and Ireland generally, is how many different accents there are. Um, in, in my native Canada, we have different accents, but it's pretty much the same accent for thousands of kilometers. Uh, and, you know, I find, I think I would speak differently probably to different people um, I run into depending on where they're from in Ireland and things like that. So, so this is a really fundamental thing, and we all do it because it, it works. It allows us to communicate better. Um, yeah. Again, people on, on the on the internet have pointed out, you know, if you if I went around and kept saying trunk for boot as I did yeah. for probably the first few years, it just takes people more brain power to process that. Okay. So there's the straight up that reason, but it also it allows you to communicate better and to be under and, and you understand people better if you actually speak the way they do right your accent i would have said i would have i would have said you i would if i heard you on the radio i would guess you were american but if if you were in canada if you went to visit people in canada would your accent change i mean would they remark on it absolutely i think they they do yeah i mean my, my my parents would remark on it so my accent is completely messed up and uh in in the sense that i you know i grew up in canada i have a sort of moderately strong Canadian accent. There's, there's more, I suppose, when I, when, when I have it. 
but when I, I went to grad school in the United States, to Baltimore, Maryland, which has got a really interesting set of accents, lots of different accents, but it's also 77% um, African-American. And that is a particular way of talking. It's, it's, it's a big factor in Baltimore life. If you've watched The Wire, that was the Baltimore I lived in for seven years. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in the United States, probably more than I've spent in Canada since then. And of course, I've lived in Ireland for 21 years. Okay. So um, I sometimes talk about American politics on the radio. I find I talk like I'm from Maryland or probably even parts farther south from there, which I really haven't lived in. So, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it really, it really, I mean, broadcasting is particularly interesting where there's a sort of pressure and you can tell me whether you feel it or not to speak in a certain way, which is whatever the Irish equivalent of received pronunciation is. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if there's an Irish accent, which nobody has, which people <laughs> use on, on, on the radio. And yeah. you can, like I said, tell me. But, but, you know, when I'm in Ireland, like the first thing you learn, maybe in the first few weeks, is to say grand. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, I'm just wondering, did you, I mean, did you, when you arrived in America, did you say out or oot? Oh yeah, people people catch it sometimes. Still, I mean, I can I can't say it on command because I'm I'm you know very reflective about this. So if I right. say out and about in a boat, I'd probably I'm probably dampening <laughs> it down. But people catch me out. I'm one of the things I should say to listeners and to anybody who encounters me forever. I am not one of those Canadians who gets upset for being identified as an American. I am an American identified myself. Um, America doesn't identify back. Interesting story. But um, in any case, um, you know, that these are micro distinctions in our regional accents. People from Minnesota sound an awful lot like Canadians. <laughs> okay. Right? So, uh, so. <laughs> so, so the big question then is why do we do this exactly? Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, all of human life is in here. So, Again, it, you actually communicate better, um, but it also um, expresses it's a, a great and it's very, very important to bonding with the person you're talking to. And if you're, you're in a context where you're the minority in the group, it's really important to fit into the group. Otherwise, you might be identified as an outgroup and then as a threat. So, so the most basic forms, things about human interaction are there. Um, it's, uh, it's communication but also solidarity and empathy. And empathetic people are better at doing this. And they're better at doing this appropriately. Because one of the most interesting things about this is that it can, you know, if you screw up in this area, you can make, you can really offend people, uh, you know, as you can imagine. I mean, I think, um, I, you know, I, I, when I moved to the United States, I didn't realize this was going to be all about me. But when I moved to the United States, I had to sort of learn how to talk to Americans and how to navigate race in America in a way where I made lots and lots of mistakes. Um, I, I, I didn't express myself well. Um, I didn't engage in this process in ways which, which you know, didn't leave me exposed to the suggestion that I'm sort of parodying people or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm somehow not doing this in the spirit of solidarity, which I was trying to express. So, so these are really, really tricky waters. Uh, and that's because, um, you know, there's lots of great stuff, communication and, and, and empathy and, and group bonding and things like that. But in, you know, in a society which is unequal, Many, many people feel like their participation in this is something they don't have a choice over, but also that they, you know, they're being asked to, to conform to, to the dominant way of speaking uh, in ways which, you know, is, requires extra effort from them, right? I mean, so there, there was a terrific movie called Sorry to Bother You 
um, a while ago, which was all about, you know, telemarketers who are African-American or black. That's an interesting um, sort of linguistic question right there. But, um, you know, who would have their white voice to sell encyclopedias to people? And, uh, you know, almost every African-American person will tell you about about having their white voice or speaking white or, you know, when they're in an office situation or when they're in a situation where they're the minority. Right? Okay. And, and often they're quite a dramatic minority. And, and they suggest that if, when that all comes into your house, because we're all working from home, that's been particularly exhausting for African-Americans because now they can't even go home and, and speak the way they would among right. you know, their community. But I'm wondering how much of it is subconscious because there there must be a bit where you don't notice yourself mimicking um, how people are, are. I can't imagine you'd go in and deliberately start trying to speak like other people. You would just if you had if you'd an accent that wasn't like anyone else's in a work setting, would it not just slowly change? And that would be largely subconscious. It is largely subconscious when we do it all the time. And I mean, again, my children would speak differently to us. We have North American accents than they would to their friends, right? And, right. Um, you know, that's true of anybody who's grown up because you learn these things from your parents. But um, it is largely subconscious. If we had to reflect on it all the time, it probably wouldn't even do its job because we'd be spending too much mental power trying to, to figure out exactly how Dublin I should sound when I'm getting bread in the local shop, right? <laughs> uh, you don't want to go there. But, you know, as someone who worries about these things and is fascinated about them, I, I do notice, um, you know, how I react to my different neighbors. And, and again, you know, it, you know, everything's in there. Age, if I'm talking to my older neighbors, say, and I'm not exactly young myself, right, I'm going to speak in a different way than if I'm talking to my students, right? And right. again, I would have, as people point out, divergence isn't always bad. I would have, when I was younger, and I would, could have been mistaken for a student, um, nobody's going to make that mistake now, as, except for as a mature student, which we want more of in UCD, by the way. Okay. But anyway, um, you know, I would have spoken in a different way, and I might have urged people to call me Dr. Finley, uh, because I wanted to separate myself from the students uh, in some form, whereas now that no one would, you know, people are pretty sure I'm the, the lecturer when I walk into the room and start talking. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happier with people calling me Graham, I might be more informal in my in my way of speaking. So I think we're all performing, but at the same time, you know, at some point the performance can't be fully conscious as, right. and, and is largely unconscious. And again, musical people are much better at doing this because um, all the things uh-huh. you do in, in musical expression um, are part of this. And actually that's why people tend to adopt a different accent if they're singing. Uh, and they do accents a lot better when they're singing because the song gets you know everything in place for you the cadence the intonation the rhythm the choice of words obviously yeah. uh, is all there for you and you don't have to work on on getting it right which is why as people point out you know K-pop bands can sing in perfect North American accents yeah. without a word of English right right absolutely they can and to it's fantastic uh, financial uh, reward as well it must be said yeah. um, I wonder about some people I, I do have a friend who emigrated um, way back in the 80s uh, and he's been living in Detroit ever since and has the most fantastic Dublin 8 accent Dublin accent that you will ever hear and it hasn't changed one iota so is he an outlier is is no no he's listening to this he knows he's been singled out as as i would say if i was actually from here right you know um because you know as you get older and, and this is why people who emigrate at an older age right um uh retain their accents 
this, you know, you actually lose your ability to pick up any accent whatsoever by the time you're one. You know, so they did an incredible experiment on babies where six-month-old babies can distinguish between la-la-la and ra-ra-ra. But they did the experiment on North American uh, babies and Japanese babies. And the Japanese babies, where L and R, as is sometimes used to very bad effect, are not really a big thing to distinguish in the language. Um, By the time they're one years old, they don't really distinguish between L and R. I mean, what happened is they had la-la-la-la-la, and then they throw in a ra, and a bear would start beating a drum, and the lights would flash, and things which babies like. And, 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 you you know, at six months, they all did it. They all looked at the bear. By about a year and a bit older, uh, when they were a year and a bit old, the Japanese babies didn't really turn to look at it because they didn't, or they weren't, they didn't know, they weren't hearing the change, so they knew to look at the bear. Um, and so, as we get older, I mean, younger kids are really good at learning accents, especially if they're in a bilingual household. But as we get older, we lose this ability to imitate accents, to to perceive these very subtle differences. Uh, and, and we often, you know, we move to a language and we try to, you know, make the dominant language work with what we already speak. And so, so we might be inserting the, the, the way we would say W into, into a language that, um, you know, really uses W in all sorts of different ways, right? Yes. Um, uh, or or, or we'll, we, we just, you know, we'll, we'll use things from our do, you know, native language to try and get through um, distinctions, which would be obvious, you know, to, just to make it work, right? right. And, and so this phonological deafness is why, it, 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 you know, older people, I don't know if your friend emigrated at a relatively old age, but, um, you know, is why you know, older immigrants tend to keep their, their accent. Yeah. No, he was young. He was young. And, there you are. Uh, and it's actually he's, still magnificent. Uh, there's a good question. He must it, have got validated for it. You know, it must have been seen. I'd say they liked the sound of his voice over yeah. there. I think they just wanted exactly. to talk. Um, is there any research on what's the most lucrative accent to speak with if you're doing business internationally? I'm going to guess it's a posh English one, asks Martin in Limerick. Yes, that's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's an incredible amount of research into this because it's very important, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, there are people who, they, they study what works in the business world because this is incredibly important in business and a professional sounding way of speaking and, and a way which allows you to be understood is, um, is very, very important. Um, now, we, sh- we again, we should be critical of this. This, this is a very classist uh, and, and Anglo-centric sort of way of thinking. But uh, yeah, no, a posh voice uh, tends to go well. Um, many, many, in, one of the funny things is, though, that you know, international clients have a terrible job. They've actually done research into this at identifying who's posh, right? One of the most famous examples is John Oliver in the United States. He has a Birmingham accent, which is frequently voted one of the ugliest accents in Britain. Uh, and yet everyone in the United States thinks he's posh and you know, knowledgeable because he's got an English accent, right? So, uh, you know, so, you know, it does work and, and people ab- absorb certain kinds of accents because of the domination of, say, his, historically, the BBC and things yeah. like that. That may be waning to a certain amount of extent, but you're, sending, you're, you're conveying an awful lot with your way of talking. So politicians will put on a folksy accent if they're, they're giving a political speech, whereas in a courtroom or in a, in a hearing, they're going to speak, more, speak differently. You know, people really, you can really deploy your accent to, to do what you want. And if you do it well, it's very, very powerful. If you do it wrong, you make the news. But in any case, it's very funny how divergent people's learning of English has been. So Lenin spoke English with an Irish accent. 
because from with a Rath Mines accent to be specific, because really? that's where his language teacher was from. And and if you talk to people from southern India, as you may well do if your computer seizes up, right? You know, they often used to speak at least with a Northern Irish accent because that's where the people who trained you're, them. You're actually bringing English me back from. now to an, an end. I'm back in my my previous life, or I was on a don't don't laugh now a a gearbox training course with CA, which was given by a German engineer who'd learned English in Fibsborough. And uh, at one point in the middle of this course said, and of course, if if the pressure gets too low, it'll be bollocks. Any ideas? This is what we have to do. We have to promote Dublin English as like the yes. new international standard. Uh, any ideas why uh, Irish accents are so well received? Um, they, they do seem to be well received both in the UK and in America. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not going to get there aren't too many Irish villains, you'll notice, in, 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 in fiction and in film, right? Um, and that's because Ireland has successfully sort of given the impression and, you know, discuss, right, um, that it's, it's, you know, hasn't invaded anybody or colonized anybody or, you know, is, is not associated, is often associated with very positive things. And, and, and so, no, I mean, okay. they seem exotic and they are... You know, associated with lots of positive things. Many, many people are descended from Irish people, so they they can identify with that. Uh, and it's true. When I was in, briefly involved with debating, people said, "Oh, we'll never beat the Irish and the Scottish people because the accents." Right? Uh, so, yes. So, so use it, people. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's it's being nice and it's it's being empathetic as well. There's Brian trying to start a fight now in Wicklow. Brian is asking, "Is there uh, research on what the nicest Irish accent is?" He thinks it has to be the Donegal one. That Donegal um, accent comes out as the sexiest accent in almost all the polls they have about it. Yep. So, yes, you would be right and you would be in the majority, Brian. God, I'm stunned by that. I didn't think Donegal, yeah. like, I would have thought Dublin would have been up there, obviously, by a mile and a half, Graeme, um, yeah. and, and more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Discuss. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to ask what the ugliest accent is. But I mean, again, accents, uh, like I said, they're, they're really, really powerful things. And, you know, I mean, I think we probably all have talked to someone on the phone when they're at work and, and you know, not even recognize them, right, if they have a very strong regional accent, uh, you know. But Great. again, you may do this yourself. Yeah, let us know, listeners, 53106. And uh, Graham, pleasure talking to you, as always. Um, after the break, we'll be asking you the question, um, are there too many people on the planet? Moncrief on Talk, Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.